HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Our master cheesemaker program is one of the only two in the world. So it's no wonder every master in America has called Wisconsin home. Find your next favorite cheese and meet our makers at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about all things edible, spreadable, pourable, horrible, adorable, and... um, I'm your host, Zara Tangora, and Nicole Bailey. Hello, folks. So a bit of a somber tone to the bit of to the front of the show today, um, which we'll have to find a way to transition out of somehow into our <laughs> normal zaniness. But um uh the food world in New York uh and beyond, and uh more acutely, the HRN family lost um a very special person over the weekend. Uh Anne Saxelby, who was the wife of the founder of HRN, Patrick Martins. Um, She was 40 years old. She had three children who were very young and uh, just, you know, passed away very unexpectedly. So it's a very sad, horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy. And I just wanted to kind of address it and give love to her family at the beginning of the show. Yeah, just I'm really sad she was really young. And it just goes to show you, you can go at any time. We're going to transition away from that by talking about some really stupid shit <laughs> yeah yeah so if you've come here uh to hear uh stupid shit you will hear it it will happen but um and we're gonna have to just make like kind of rip it off like a band-aid segue because it's hard to to go from something so somber to being silly but just our thoughts are really with you and I know it's such like a interesting thing when something like that happens because you're like our thoughts are with you and it's a nice sentiment and sometimes it's really all you can say you know if you aren't intimately involved with the family there's not a lot you can do but right but truly you know if you've anyone is listening out there who is a close friend of Anne's or a family member or just please know that like we're we're thinking about you guys and uh hopefully we can bring you a couple laughs so Nicole how are you I'm good what's going on you were eating some crackers before the show it was very contentious um yes I'm here to be embroiled in controversy um (laughs) No, I just, I hadn't eaten today and I have become obsessed with eating cheese and crackers. So that's yeah, <laughs> that's, you're in the twilight of your life. That's yeah, what that's happens. What, that's what people do. And what I kind of call, cheese? Well, cause so my bougie groceries over my house is, has insane prices and I wanted to get like a super nice cheddar, but they were like out of all of the things that I wanted. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get this Borson cheese. Mm. Love Borson cheese. It's delicious. I feel like it's just better suited to like a sandwich or something. But I, you know, I'm just dipping my crackers into it like a dip and it's great. It's basically like cream cheese. Did you get the like herby dill one or just straight Yeah, I, well, I got the um, garlic and fine herbs blend. Which You're like a my Jew from store. Boca Raton now. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Totally. Like my grandmother. Um, also, it costs like eleven dollars at my grocery store <laughs> <laughs> oh you better savor it i know i was like come on um but yeah i'm good i have i'm having a really exciting moment because it finally got cold enough to wear a fall outfit today so Ooh, that's nice a little fall fashion what are you wearing i'm wearing a black turtleneck bodysuit oh sexy nicole i know i'm very sexy um and 
to leave my house one time to go to the grocery store. <laughs> um, and I'm wearing just like some nineties looking jeans and I have these Chelsea boots that I got at a thrift store, like literally 45 years ago and I've never worn. And they just that's, look really great with my nineties outfit. That's amazing. Yeah. And so nobody could tell from my outfit that I had not washed my hair today. So I think it was a pretty good, <laughs> good distraction, a good move on my part. But yeah, I just have, I'm enjoying my fall fashions pulling them all out because I haven't completed my closet room, even though I've lived here since May. <laughs> uh, I'll come help you because my life has now been dedicated. I'm out at my parents' house, um, helping them kind of sift through their clutter, of which there is a lot of it. And they are not appreciative of me, <laughs> to say the least. And it's extremely triggering. And uh, I, in addition to that, just tried to pour myself a drink to forget about how fucking miserable I am. Mm-hmm. And there's no seltzer in their house. So Ooh. now I'm just drinking tequila, a large tall glass of tequila on ice, like fucking Bukowski or something. And just, I guess, slowly slipping into old age and alcoholism. They can't, ha- they don't have seltzer? <laughs> they What's always have on? seltzer. Not today. No seltzer today. Today's not my day. I'm going to tell Did you, you that right now. garage? <laughs> I've looked literally everywhere because I've been <laughs> tearing this house apart, trying to organize it and clean it, only to be like, I don't know, finger waved out to put it lightly. But um, um, that's fine. Just add them to the list of people that want me dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they don't want you to until you're done with the renovations or whatever. <laughs> so it's not an immediate threat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> threat level midnight. Um, what was I going to say about... I have no clue! Your tragic story. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, do your parents have a dining room table that I can have? Oh, that's interesting that you should ask. They don't. They only have the one. Um, have you <laughs> tried maybe something closer to you? No, I feel like it would be so easy to get it from Long Island to Indiana. Yeah, that's true. I could try. We'll go, we'll find a dining room table and make a closet room for you. In fact, to be completely frank, while this has been an extremely painful experience doing this, um, I think doing it for someone that I didn't have such like deep seated, you know, painful memories with would be much easier. (laughs) And this is actually like probably my calling. I think that, um, Reorganizing is my calling because I have OCD. Yeah, no, you are good at it. Um, yeah. I would say to you, Zara, that I yes. have plenty of seltzer in my refrigerator. Oh, great. I'm coming right over. I should just move there. Should I just move into your closet room and we no, can, you can write a sitcom can, about it? No, you can have the spare room and I'll keep the closet room and we'll make space on the floor when people come over. Okay, fine. But I'm going to go ahead and predict that you get sick of me very quickly. Mm, well, let I mean, I feel like it's fine. Look, I'll be at work four days a week. The other three days, you'll need to find somewhere to be. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you're sick of me as soon as I see you. <laughs> no. Yeah. It usually takes 30 or 40 minutes. Oh, that's true. I see it opposite. I see is that you're usually sick of me right when I see you, but then 30 or 40 minutes later, you've warmed me. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, initially, I'm like, I forgot that I hate this woman. What the hell am I doing at home? Uh, so do you have any any other interesting things that have happened to you this week that are less dark? I'm sorry, I'm really like darkening this podcast up with my bad vibes. No, and I'm really sorry. And I feel bad because I've had a really fun week. Uh, that's so- good. That's good. You need to counterbalance. We're spy versus spy. You have to be the cute spy. I am the ugly mean spy. <laughs> Boy, am I a cute spy today with my 90s. Oh, you are a cute little spy. Okay, um, go ahead, cute spy. I don't know how good I am at spying, but okay. So um, my friend had something that she calls her fall ball, which is where she and a couple of close friends and like her sister come over and they watch scary movies and they eat, you know, crackers and cheese, my favorite food. <laughs> That's where you got addicted. <laughs> oh, also I was going to say, for some reason, whenever I'm going to go get cheese and crackers, I always call it in my head a cheese cracker. Like I'm like, I'm going to go buy a cheese cracker. <laughs> You're that's sick. not doesn't make any sense. And I don't, I know, that I know that it's wrong. So I don't say it out loud, but I just wanted to share with you guys a tiny peek of what it's like to live inside my <laughs> weird ass brain. Um, sounds terrifying, but I feel like the, the lady in Boca Raton would totally call it a cheese cracker. Oh yeah. Of my course. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we went over to her house and, uh, we had some, sparkling wine and a spook spark shootery i can't spook shooter i can't some play on the word of spook shootery where it's spooky yeah spook 
Chewdery. <laughs> haunted meats? Yes, they were haunted. They are old. They are yeah, oh, yeah. They're cured, man. Um, and we watched... Um, Lauren, if you're listening, I'm sorry to tell you. We watched Wrong Turn, the remake, which was, for me, not my number one go-to. But I couldn't, like, be the boss of what movie we were watching because... I'm the newest person to like be invited to this fall ball and everyone else has been going for like 30 years. So yeah, that would be uh-huh. really, really uncouth. That would, and that's a faux down. pas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, it was really fun because they all love scary movies. So we kind of just like went through all like all, the whole night. I was like, Oh, have you seen this? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, have you seen this? And they're like, yes. Like there was no movie that I have seen. that's a scary movie that they haven't seen. Oh, that's fun. It was really fun. And then, um, the day before that, I went to a local block party, the Cottage Home Block Party. Fun. And Cottage Home is like a neighborhood in Indianapolis. They just like shut down the streets, a bunch of vendors. And just it seems to me like everybody goes to it, even though it's kind of a small area. Um, and they have beer and they have like bands playing. And we ran into some people that like the people that I were with, People that I was with are like people that know everyone in town. So we kept running into people and meeting new people and drinking more beer. And at some point we're like carrying two beers in our hands because we don't want to have to go wait in the beer line. And it was just really (laughs) fun. And then at the end, one of the bands was covering Abbey Road and it was really cool. That sounds great. I actually Um, just started crying because I'm... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I can't even imagine like ever having fun again. (laughs) No, it can happen to you. You just have to leave. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I was just going to be like, I was going to try to hide it, but I'm like, I should just be honest to the listeners that your story is making me cry. But I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're having so much fun. I say grab as many lamps as you can. I need floor lamps and get in the car and just drive around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll just like take all, yeah, I'm going to take this big screen TV, all of the bags oh, yeah. of rags that I've been finding. Like, but I hate a big screen TV because they're so ugly, but they're just something I want one. I just, I need to get one of those ones that turns into a painting that costs like millions of dollars. Oh, that's crazy. I think you should just get a projector. That's the best way to have a big oh, screen yeah, TV. Yeah. Okay. Great idea. Um, <sighs> anyway, okay. so that's, well, that's so fun. A, bl- a fall block party. Yeah, it was so cute. And it was like, I got to wear my new jean jacket. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nicole, good for you. Does that mean you can give me your old jean jacket, which you accidentally gave me one time and then I had to return to you before you, know, you moved? actually, I was going through my stuff. I, like, I would say maybe because I was looking at that <gasps> and I was like, I don't think that I want this anymore. But I really? have to, as a hoarder, I don't know if I can give it up. But I think, I think you're, yeah, 75% of the way there. Well, that would make um, me feel a lot easier about not crying for the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're blackmailing me, I see. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then there, I'm supposed to go on a date next week, and the guy was like, well, maybe they'll, because I have another, I was just lucky enough to be able to go to this fall ball because I had a weekend night off, which never happened. Yeah. Um, but I have another weekend off night next week, and he was like, maybe something's going on. So I like went to like, Indiana events.com or something. Your favorite <laughs> website. Cause I don't know how to find out what's going on around town. I'm always like, what the flaming lips played. Damn it. Yeah. You gotta um, go to Indiana events.com. That's where it's at. Yeah. And what they told me is that there's really nothing going on oh. uh, next Friday, but there <laughs> is like a, there's a place called Connor Prairie here, which is like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Part of it is like a reenactment from like the 1800s. Uh, Part yeah. of it, is where they do Symphony on the Prairie. We have um, one of those here, the old Bethpage Restoration Village. Yeah, so it's a big area. So they're having this like haunted corn maze on Friday. And I was like, I wonder if I can convince this person I don't know that well to go to a corn maze that I'm pretty sure is designed mostly for children <laughs> to go through. Well, that will be a test of whether or not your relationship <laughs> has the legs, literally the legs to to go the distance. Yeah, can he like, run through a corn Can he find his way out of corn maze? Yes. That's it fine. No. Like, it seems like a really big corn maze. So maybe it's not totally for children. But I'm like, do you want to be the oldest two childless people at this corn maze where you probably can't drink at all for several hours i think this is a wonderful thing to do in fact i'm going to go ahead and encourage anyone listening out there (laughs) if you have a new partner bring them to a corn maze too sweet (laughs) oh that reminds me of one more thing please Um, go right ahead 
in my wonderful life, which is contrasted sharply with your miserable life. Um, <laughs> We're like two sides of a Jimmy Stewart coin. Um, <clears throat> so one of my, the manager of my restaurant came into work um, like two, I don't know, last week and he was wearing like a very like chunky knit cardigan, um, like a white one. And I started calling him Fall, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I decided that every time he would like go away and come back, I would be like, so Marks, did you just come back from carving some pumpkins and bobbing some apples? And then <laughs> we, the next time he was like, I came over and I was like, Marks, did you just come back from a corn maze? And so every time he came around, we just like came up with like the most fall things to ask him if he had been, and it got kind of busy at work eventually. And then he was, he was like trying to like be serious at work. And I was like, just interrupting him with all kinds of really dumbass Halloween things that he had done. And it That's was amazing. Did you really just funny. get done putting up a 40 foot skeleton? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. But also then my friend, I was like, okay, we need to come up with a whole bunch. So we have a bunch just like in our minds for when mm-hmm. he pops up again. And so uh, my coworker was like, okay, we'll do um, Bobby for apples, haunted hayride, um, carving pumpkins with your kid, eating candy corn, looking through the Halloween candy for razors. And I was like, great. That's, that's five <laughs> making, times. <laughs> making uh, candy corn flavored infused vodka. <laughs> yeah. I was like, great. That's five times we get to see Mark. Oh, sorry. I said his name. Don't dox him. You've said his name like 60 times. We, you've outed him on this podcast. Mark, we know that you love fall things now. Well, his name isn't Mark, but um, he, so, <laughs> Mark. So, so whatever. I'm like, great. We have, Mark. Big, we have a big storage of things to do. And then the la- the next time he came over, my coworker just said all of those in a row. <laughs> wow. She just burned right through it. She blew her load real, real hard. And then I had to leave in a fit of rage. Um, wow. Well, but quickly moving on very quickly, because there's just not a lot out there anymore because the world has accepted that Jennifer and Jennifer are together. And now nobody even gives a shit. I know it's like a real cruel joke on us, huh? They're so yeah, happy. It's, it's disgusting. It's just like just we got over our initial shock and now all we can post is Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck stroll through NYC. They love strolling. And you know what? I take back what I said. It's not disgusting. They're very cute. Good for them. I hope that they live 200 years together, like a couple <laughs> old vampires. Um, <laughs> page six says Jennifer Lopez flaunts amazing abs and red carpet crop top. <laughs> yeah, she looked hot. I saw that. I was like, damn, girl. She looked good. She was wearing another she, brown outfit, but she looked good this I mean, she looked like, good last time. What is her deal with brown? She She's likes like, the color brown. She looks good in it. I don't know. I think it, I, I mean, like that she, outfit. Yeah, no, she looks good. Um, she could wear like a, you know, ghost in a sheet costume and really crush it. She's very hot. Yeah. Uh, so this is another really good article title that really wants to make you click on it to see what else is going on. It's Yahoo Entertainment. Mm. Jennifer Lopez gazes at Ben Affleck in intimate new Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that too. She was gazing right at him. Um, Yahoo Life says Jennifer Lopez wore an extreme crop top with a high slit skirt on the red carpet, basically slut shaming her. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, she previously was wearing an all leather brown cape and high waisted skirt with a total brown outfit. She must be having, like, she must be representing like big brown or something. Yeah. She's working for a large brown. Um, I saw a headline, not to interrupt you, but I'm going to, that said that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were supposed to kiss in their new movie that they have coming out, but they decided not to probably because we, as we know, Matt Damon is a fucking bigot. As we He's learned definitely a, a weeks ago. who uses the F word, not fuck. Exactly. And I mean, he would have, I, I can't even imagine what he would have had to say about himself had he seen himself kiss Ben Affleck. I don't know. I'm assuming that's why they didn't do it. I didn't care to read on the article. Yeah. Well, I just have one more okay. hard-hitting but, but journalism go ahead. article. Go right ahead. And it is. Ben Affleck drools over Jennifer Lopez on red carpet. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine we really did catch him actually drooling. I mean, his tongue rolled out like a cartoon. Why do they have to say that? 
I don't know. I mean, I guess just we live in a really terrible time in human history. <laughs> like it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's sad. I don't know why they have to say that. Maybe um, he was want- drooling. Maybe there was a grill. She was holding a grilled cheese. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Maybe he actually literally was drooling because he is an 80-year-old man. <laughs> Maybe um, he lost some teeth. I do have to tell you guys that I discovered something that maybe everyone already knew and I did not know is that um, Benifer has a Wikipedia page. <gasps> really? So I just want to read the synopsis really quick here. Please. <laughs> Um, Benifer is a name given by the media to the romance between Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> 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 uh, the pair had a widely publicized 18-month romance from 2002 to 2004. The pair called off their romance. I keep calling it a romance in early 2004, <laughs> but resumed their romance. What even May- is a romance? What qualifies <laughs> being a romance? What do you? What fucking boxes do you have to check to have a, a romance? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, to read poetry to each other or something. I mean, they resumed their romance in May, 2021, almost two decades after they originally started, which I didn't really put together because to me, the year 2004 and 2021 are not two decades apart. (laughs) I am. It's weird. It's weird, but it is, but it's so weird. Like a full adult in both of those years. And it makes me feel elderly. I know it's very (laughs) scary. It's very troubling. I think that's why we're so obsessed with the whole thing is because it's like somehow a representation of us and how we're aging so fast. Yeah. Time passing is really fucked up. Um, but this me reading aloud to you from Wikipedia is a really great segue into our topic today because we decided to do scary movies part. Duh. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and I decided to do my favorite movies where people are eaten. I love it. <laughs> and the way that I structured this is that I simply wrote down the synopsis of each movie and what Roger Ebert thought of each one. So you're welcome. Oh my God. I'm so, so excited for this. I can't wait. Yeah. And I kept it short because I know there's only so much you can listen to me read from the media. So there's only four. What about Siskel? Um, Was this post Siskel? Uh, it's hard to, well, it, it, I'll explain in a little bit. Okay, um, fine. So with no further ado, let's just dive right in. So, Get into it, girl. I would like to start. Number one. These are in no particular order. I can't choose between them. They're like my children. Um, number one is the famous 1986 film Critters. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, when you were talking to me about Critters the other day, I had extreme jealousy that you had watched Critters and I hadn't. <laughs> um, this movie, so this movie came out in 1986, and because I am a middle-aged woman, I was cognizant when this movie came out, and I watched it on TV, not in the theaters. <laughs> um, and I watched it many times because it seemed to be on TV many times. And one of the people in the movie, a bounty hunter that I'll explain about in a second, I had a huge crush on him as a six-year-old. I still have a huge crush mm-hmm. on him. He's hot. Where was he your he first crush? No, Randy Travis was my first crush. <clears throat> oh, right. We've talked about this. Do you, do you remember that I told you my first crush was the red, it was Raphael, the Ninja Turtle in the cartoon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then he changed his voice and I was like, I don't like this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I've, you know, I've always been in it. I like a good voice. What can I say? Yeah. You were in love with that voice actor. Um, okay. So this movie came out in 1986. It got three stars from Roger Ebert. Wow. When I say Roger Ebert, what I'm talking to is rogerebert.com. So Mm. essentially if you look up old movie reviews, they did review them in the paper. Um, rogerebert.com actually still exists and you can look up new movies in there, but obviously Roger Ebert is not writing the review. Right. His ghost is. (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is ghost. But in the 80s, I'm pretty sure it is just a clip of his uh, Chicago Tribune or whichever one he worked at in Chicago, his like, yeah, review. The Tribune, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think is going on here, but okay. I could be wrong. That's fine. Anyway, so it's 1986. Roger Ebert, whoever that was in 1986, gave it three <laughs> stars. Um, that's amazing. And- I know. And also, so this is really funny. So Gremlins came out in 1984 and this director 
because everyone's like, this is obviously a ripoff of Gremlins. And he was like, it's absolutely in no way inspired by the movie Gremlins. And to that, I just have to laugh. Could um, I just quickly <laughs> interject with one more thing? One thing yeah. that I was going to talk about today, but I decided not to, I was going to do the story of like uh, famed B-movie director and producer Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. And in 1987, I think, Roger Corman produced a movie called Munchies, which was also a ripoff of Gremlins. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. that? I feel like I have seen that. It's another B-movie that's like Gremlins, but it's about like little other weird Gremlins that are naughty and they eat junk food, hence munchies. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. I feel like maybe, I don't know if I've seen it. Um, Okay. Here's the synopsis of Critters. Forgive me. I don't know if my reading aloud voice is that great. (laughs) Um, It's beautiful. When strange, fuzzy creatures from outer space, or as Roger Ebert describes them, furry little bowling balls with dozens of rows of sharp teeth. <laughs> <laughs> How eloquent. When these, when these guys arrive on a farm, the Brown family must fend off the malevolent little aliens. Two bounty hunters with superhuman abilities from outer space follow the aggressive beasts, but the warriors aren't terribly effective, leaving the Brown family to battle for their Battle the furballs by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, but this movie is great. If you haven't seen it, it actually is a good horror movie. I feel like the, the one that I just rewatched, they did that thing. I don't totally understand what it is, but where they they changed the editing style. So it's like, it looks too, too smooth or something. Like yeah. it's just like this weird way of editing, like an old movie that just like, is really jarring for me to watch. Um I don't know what it is. I don't understand. I, visual I wonder if it has, and I think perhaps it does, please, if you're a cinephile out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I wonder if it has anything to do with like smoothing out the cuts when they actually used to cut film directly to uh, like yeah, doing like a digital remaster of it. Well, I personally hate it. Yeah. It's weird. I know what you're talking about. It's weird. <laughs> it takes me out of the film. Okay. okay. Moving on. <laughs> the film critters. <laughs> the major motion picture. <laughs> Like, not even nominated for one Oscar. They were robbed. (laughs) Okay, Um, go ahead. But, oh, I was going to say, it's it's a classic scary movie because you essentially have the Brown family trapped in their farm and they have to, like, just fend off the monsters by themselves. And I love that kind of a, you know, I do, too. That's a good trope. Okay, number two. Maybe not always considered a classic horror film, but for me, it it is. Uh, This movie is called Tremors. Ah, love it. This movie came out in 1990, and there is no article written about this movie by Roger Ebert, but there is a segment of Siskel and Ebert where they talk about it. So let me give you the synopsis first, and then I'll tell you how they broke it down, Siskel and Ebert. Okay. Two men who, in my opinion, can barely stand each other, and yet they had to sit in those rooms, very small places, and fight with each other all the time. I always did like not like to watch that because it seemed like they hated each other so much. It did. I mean, they were a you know um, anamorph anamorphosized version of the two old crones from the Muppets. They were yes. like literally those people. It's shocking how that happened. <laughs> um. Okay. So here's the synopsis. Of Tremors, a film I hope you have seen, but if not, there are some spoilers. Repairmen Val McKee and Earl Bassett are tired of their dull lives in Nevada, but just as they try to skip town, they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths and a concerned seismologist. (laughs) 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 For some reason, those two words together made me laugh. A concerned seismologist studying unnatural readings underground. The group must fight for survival against giant, worm-like monsters hungry for human flesh. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, So yeah, Tremors is a great movie. It stars Kevin Bacon. It stars the other guy whose name I always forget. Do you know the guy that he's with? I can't remember off the top of my head. I haven't seen Tremors in like 10 years. But uh, yeah, I don't remember. I watch it every couple of years. I love it. I try to make my dad watch it with me because he definitely watched it with me when I was a kid. And he was like, I don't want to watch this. And then I figured out later that he doesn't like scary movies. But- oh, that was your, uh, you know, it's interesting. I always feel like, and I'm not just saying this because of Kevin Bacon. I actually do really feel like Tremors is footloose with like big snake monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true, but he 
does want to leave a small town. So Cisco and Ebert like review this movie. There's clips. It's pretty funny. You can find it on YouTube. But uh, Siskel is like, for me, this movie's not good. I can't, I can't in good conscience recommend it to someone. Um, there's too many like mess ups with the like, there's like, you know, there's like things that like don't totally make sense in the plot or whatever. Yeah, it's a shitty horror movie, Siskel. <laughs> yeah. Go buy yourself then, a sense of humor. And then Ebert was like, well, I liked it. And he was like, could you really recommend it to someone? And he was like, yes. He was like, it's a goofy, dumb, fun movie. I do recommend it. And I was like, I love you, Ebert. <laughs> also, for the record, I'm, I'm an Ebert guy, not a Cisco guy. Oh, you're an Ebert. You're an Ebert dude. I'm an, I'm an Ebert lover as well. Yeah, Sorry, Cisco. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check out Tremors. Greatest movie of all time. <laughs> the third movie is Return of the Living Dead. Mm, amazing. So this movie is in 1985. So this is a <laughs> this is a comedy horror movie that is ripping off Night of the Living Dead shamelessly, um, and they mention it right in the very beginning. In the very beginning scene, somebody goes over to somebody else and is like, "You ever seen Night of the Living Dead? That mm-hmm. wasn't fake. That was true, and mm-hmm. I can prove it to you." Um, so yeah, this movie has 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, three stars from Roger Ebert. It's a hit. Um, it's a great movie. It's I so love fun. It. It's so stupid. It's. I also watched this as a child. Uh-oh, <laughs> I that explains scared. a lot. I was very scared of it. But like for like many years after that, before I sort of rediscovered horror movies, I thought that all of the zombies in Night of the Living Dead were like brains. But they're not like that. Yeah. <laughs> but they are like that in Return of the Living Dead. Yes. Um, so here's the synopsis. When Frank shows a new employee, Freddie, a secret military experiment in a supply warehouse, these two klutzes accidentally release a gas that reanimates corpses into flesh-eating zombies. Ah! As the epidemic spreads through Louisville, Kentucky, the creatures satisfy their hunger in gory and outlandish ways. Frank and Freddie fight to survive with their boss and a mysterious mortician. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this movie was also the directorial debut of Dan O'Bannon, who is the co-author of the screenplay Alien. Oh, I didn't know that. How interesting. Fun fact. And the screenplay, he wrote the screenplay for Total Recall. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Fun facts, you guys. I want to write a screenplay. I wish I could do my life over and be a screenwriter. Well, it's never too late. Maybe in my next life after I get eaten by a zombie. You don't have to give up because you're in. The... I gave up. I'm. It's over. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's actually a cool screenwriting class out there for like people that want to change careers when they're old. So like for elderly screenwriters. Yeah, there's even like a. Pro- you should look. I'll send it to you. It's okay, like the... sounds good. Uh, okay, so our fourth and final film is Hellraiser. Love it. A classic campy insanely campy movie from 1987 um unfortunately our buddy roger ebert did not like this movie oh really that's shocking why not well you'll see uh he gave it 0.5 stars which is pretty low rating (laughs) yes that's almost no stars yes exactly right it's he's probably like if i could give it zero stars i would Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah he's the original person who said that (laughs) um Okay, Hellraiser. This is the synopsis. Also, I found out in my research that they're remaking Hellraiser, and I'm just like, please, can everyone stop with this constant remaking of every movie that ever came out in my childhood? Yeah, it's terrible. You know, they're lazy. They're remaking, or they're not even remaking, they're making like a prequel to Willy Wonka starring Timothee Chalamet. I did see that, and it's like... No. Yeah, why not just leave it alone? Didn't we already like suffer enough from the other remakes of Willy Wonka? This movie is supposed to be all about how he met the fucking Oompa Loompas. Like, no one Who cares. cares. The world is literally burning. <laughs> we need a two and a half hour movie. Jesus. Also, like Timothee Chalamet is like fifty years younger than Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp when they played that guy. So, like, everyone stop. That's true. I love Gene Wilder. He's a Gene that I can get behind. Yeah, I mean Gene Wilder in Willy Wonka is pure genius, and you really absolutely can't you really can't, and you shouldn't you shouldn't try yeah. Timothee. He's, he's so sinister in it. I love it. Anyway, moving on. Back to Hellraiser, one of the greatest movies of all time. So great, unless you're Roger Ebert. 
the synopsis is as follows. Sexual deviant Frank inadvertently opens a portal to hell when he tinkers with a box he bought while abroad. I just love that he's described as a sexual deviant right away. <laughs> the act unleashes gruesome beings called Cenobites who tear Frank's body apart. <laughs> then... Frank's brother and his wife, Julia, move into Frank's old house. They accidentally bring what is left of Frank back to life. Uh, Frank, oh. Frank then convinces Julia, his one-time former lover, they had an affair right before she got married to her current husband, Frank's brother. Nope. He convinces, he convinces this obviously mentally ill person to lure men back to the house so he can feed upon their blood and reconstruct his body piece by piece from other humans' blood. Um, I mean, you know, you've seen it. Yeah. Um, so as I said, Roger Ebert was not a fan, but he does write really well. And so I just wanted to give an example of how much he did not like this movie uh, by reading a clip of him. This is him describing. <laughs> so Frank's brother is like moving into his dead brother's house Mm -hmm. um and roger ebert is describing it so he says this is some house the kitchen sink is filled with maggots devouring rotting flesh isn't the real estate agent supposed to tidy up details like this (laughs) but the cottons buy the house anyway maybe because there is no love in their marriage and so this cheerless house seems like the ideal venue of silent suffering and wordless blame (laughs) wow (laughs) excuse me i guess he's like moonlighting as a couples therapist i know i just thought that was such a funny little (laughs) clip of uh, that whole review but he also goes on you know because at the end of the day roger ebert is also a, a square a big square maybe even a rectangle he was like, who watches movies from this and what enjoyment do they get from it? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, Roger Ebert? He's like, give me the English patient. He, all, he like pans Clive Barker the entire time. He just doesn't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't yeah, get it. He's not on the level. It's fine. He's too intellectual. Um, and that's all. Just a little bit of me reading aloud from the internet. Love it, dude. I really <laughs> full, deeply appreciate this. I love the stories of monsters eating people and how, <laughs> how you've somehow made it relevant in a food podcast. Brava, brava, brava. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, let's take a break. I promise that if you come back, we'll still be here. We'll see you soon. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. In Wisconsin, cheese is our thing. Wisconsin is the only state in the country that requires a license to make cheese. From curds to cheddar, blue to brick, Wisconsin cheesemakers can do it all. We blend tradition with innovation to create an incredible variety of cheeses that you just can't get anywhere else. You've heard of a PhD, but have you heard of a PH cheese? otherwise known as the Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program. This rigorous study of cheese is an elite accomplishment earned by only 80 talented cheesemakers in Wisconsin, and the program is only one of two in the world. Becoming a master cheesemaker takes 13 years and is basically like a doctorate in a specific variety of cheese, with intense requirements to succeed. Our Master Cheesemaker Program allows makers to perfect both the art and science of their craft in a tradition so rich you can taste it. Find your next favorite cheese and meet our makers at wisconsincheese.com. And guess what? We're back. We are? We are. And we're better than ever? Question mark? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I had a couple cheese cracker. You did? You were in the middle of mid-munch. Do you want to eat on the air? I promise I won't chastise you like you have. I would never do that. I'm a lady. Would you, uh, would you sing on the air? What would you rather do, sing or eat a cheese cracker on the air? Eat a cheese cracker. Okay. Well, Nicole, I'm going to go ahead and somehow link my story to food as well because <laughs> <laughs> it's the scary movie. And I, I don't even know that I consider this a scary movie, but I know that society does. <laughs> okay. But it's my, it's um, Forrest Gump. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. It's the silence of the lambs. And the reason oh, yeah. that well, I, I would say it's more of a thriller. I think it's a psychological thriller, but I think if you asked the average person, they would say it's a, a horror movie. Also, you know, here's the thing. 
what has happened to the psychological thriller? The, the time that Silence of the Lambs came out, there was it was like the, the Renaissance period. Or, well, Renaissance maybe is the right word. It was a golden time in Hollywood for the psychological thriller. And You're now, absolutely it's really, right. It's hard to find a psychological thriller. <clears throat> it is. You know, it's another psychological thriller that I absolutely love. I mean, of course, Seven, but uh, The Bone Collector. Have you ever seen that? With yeah, Denzel and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I don't know how much I like that movie. I like Bone Collector. I mean, it's not, excuse me, I'm yawning. What an asshole. Um, That's it's not with Ethan Hawke? No, no. The Bone Collector is with Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. Ethan Hawke is nowhere to be seen. Oh, well, he, there's also some other like thriller that she's in where Ethan Hawke is, spoiler alert, the killer, but I don't even know what movie it is that I'm spoiling. <laughs> killer Ethan Hawke from hell? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do the story of Silence of the Lambs. Why, you ask? Because it contains probably one of the most prolific movie quotes ever about food, which Mm -hmm. is, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Now, before I get into the story, I want to mention that I got almost all my information today from an article in Mental Floss by Roger Cormier, um, and also that the movie Silence of the Lambs is transphobic. And Of course. So just going straight out the gate with recognizing that, um, you know, in reading some um, some uh, interviews with Jonathan Demi, who is the director, uh, he didn't intend it to be transphobic, but it was transphobic. And he kind of explained it away by saying, like, you know, we just wanted to talk about a guy who was really disturbed. I was like, yes, but you created a character who was like, trans and well, made him the, seem evil. It's based evil. on a book, though. Right. I understand. But, like, the entire... It, it is a transphobic book, and it's a transphobic movie. So okay, we, so he that character... I have not read the book. So is that character is pulled straight from... Ripped from the headlines of that book? Buffalo Bill. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I haven't read the book either. Um, okay. So anyway, just getting that out of the way, just so everybody knows that we know that it is a great, I think it's a great movie, but that is a very unfortunate plot line, which is t- terrible and disturbing. So, interestingly enough, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti was making a medical joke. Do you know that? No, but also I feel like I would, would not want to drink a Chianti with a liver. Well, that's a good point. I mean, <laughs> is it... <laughs> is it the right pairing? Who's to say? You have a very irony piece of meat. Chianti, yeah, exactly. maybe it doesn't have the right kind of tannic structure to hold up against that. I agree with you 100%. Uh, yeah, I think it would really bring out the ironing element. Anyway, go on. Yeah, that's that's really true. Um, okay, so anyway, they're making a medical joke because um, monoamine oxi- uh, oxidase inhibitors, otherwise known as MAOIs, could have been used to treat Hannibal Lecter. Um, and what they what are the three things you're not allowed to eat while you're taking MAOIs? Liver, beans, and wine. What? Yeah. That's weird. It's so weird, but it's true. I read it in like a million different publications. But like what were they saying that he was trying to counteract exactly his, his antidepressants? Yes. Well, his like antipsychotics, yeah. Okay. Well, he still could have chosen a better wine. I mean, a hundred percent agree. Although you can have a nice county, but across the board, it is not. It's not. I wouldn't say it's as bad as like let's say like a Malbec or something like that. Sorry no, to all no. Malbec I'm, lovers. What we're supposed? To, I mean, granted, I don't even know what was happening with wine in the. This movie came out in the nineties, though, didn't it? Yeah, nineteen. Okay, so here we are. I'm glad you asked. Nineteen ninety one. Silence of the Lambs, the Jonathan Demi directed masterpiece. Truly, I think a masterpiece. So a little thing about Jonathan Demi. He was the uncle of another famed, unfortunately gone too soon director, uh, Ted Demi. And uh, he originally began his career underneath the B-movie producer that I talked about earlier, um, Roger Corman, who if anyone has any interest in like B-horror films, uh, look up Roger Corman, study Roger Corman, watch some movies. He did the original Little Shop of Horrors. He I was love that movie. Amazing. And he was famous for doing like, I mean, Roger Corman is so important to cinema history. It's like we would have, we literally would have to do another episode and there would be no reason to. So this made me really realize that we need to start a movie podcast. Okay, fine. We'll but do it. yeah, anyway, so <laughs> he made his directorial debut with the 1974 movie Cage Heat, which I actually never saw. It was about women in prison. Did you ever see it? No, I don't really like women in prison storylines. Especially when they're directed by uh, men. 
<laughs> but anyway, then he did Marriage to the Mob. Um, and Which then is later, a great movie. It's, it's a great funny. movie with Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, and Matthew Modine. It's wonderful. And later in his career, in an attempt— oh, sorry, sidebar, I just want to say, Matthew yes. Modine is in the remake of Wrong Turn, the new one that came out. And That's amazing. I love Matthew Modine. It, I, anyway, go on. I love him. Um, anyway, and then so Jonathan Demme also went on to direct Philadelphia in somewhat of an attempt to rectify <laughs> his mistakes oh with making a transphobic movie with Science of the Lambs. He's like, okay, okay, you guys are super upset about this. I'm going to cast a straight man as a, a gay man. A straight actor as a gay actor dying of AIDS. That will write, but in the, to be fair, in the 90s, there Again, were no gay actors. There, gay actors didn't exist, exactly. Mm-hmm. No one was gay until the year 2018. Yeah. Um, and then he also did the movie Rachel Getting Married, which I actually thought was very good. Did you ever see I it? I love that movie. Wonderful movie. And uh, famously also Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads film. Um, oh, yeah. The Silence of the Lambs is the third film ever, and I don't think there has been any film since to win the big five Oscars. Which include Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Um, and I don't think any other horror movie except for Psycho has ever won Best Picture. Well, it's a psychological thriller. Right, but they consider it horror in the in the academy. Um, oh, they do? Yes. The other two movies yeah. that had won the big... Uh, five where it happened one night, the 1935 classic. And of course, one of my favorite movies of all time, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1976. That's not a horror movie though. No, no. They were the only other two movies that ever won five, the big five Oscars. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. okay. Not and, the Titanic. I don't think Titanic won. No, because I don't think Leo and Kate both won for. Oh, best. they didn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Gene Siskel your best friend, gave mm-hmm. the Silence of the Lambs a thumbs down. Gene Siskel infamously, infamously didn't see what all the, quote, fuss was about, dismissing the movie as a, star, quote, star-studded freak show and writing that the Silence of the Lambs was, quote, a case of much ado about nothing. This guy sucks. How did he even get to be a movie critic? I hate him so much. I'm not sure, but Ebert disagreed, they said. Obviously. Um, this is a very interesting fact. The rights to Hannibal Lecter were given away for free. So I also didn't realize that in 1986 that um, Michael Mann adapted the novel Red Dragon as a movie called Manhunter. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, yes. I've seen it many times. I lo- it's very slow moving, but I love it. Is it good? Who's in it? Uh, I can't even remember. Like famous-ish people. Okay. Um, it's very good. Like you should. I, I'm shocked. I'm surprised that you didn't know about it. Yeah, I didn't about know it. about it. I never saw it. I'm gonna watch it when I get home from my parents' house and can just be my most honest self, which is watching yeah. so it's horror not like, movies and smoking it's very cigarettes. like style. It's just like it's a very cool, beautiful-looking film. Whether or not the actual plot holds up, I don't know. But like, okay. it doesn't even matter because it's just like so fucking awesome-looking. I can't wait. I, I think Michael Mann is a really cool director, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, um, it's, I love it. So because Manhunter barely made half of its budget back at the box office, Dino De Laurentiis, the famous, I believe, grandfather of famed celebrity chef Giada De Laurentiis, and he was a very famous director and producer, um, gave away the rights that he had for Lecter um, and The Silence of the Lambs uh, for free. And so Silence of the Lambs ends up making $272 million, which was $264 more million than the first. So he really fucked up. Than the first movie, the Manhunter movie. Right, exactly. So he really fucked up. But guess who comes in and grabs it? The rights. Gene motherfucking Hackman. Another Gene. This is a a genusode, if we're going to be honest. I love Gene Hackman and Gene Wilder. I fucking love, I like jeans in general. I mean, I like blue jeans. Yeah, sure, exactly. Gene, I can't think of any other jeans right now, but I do, my mom's middle name is Gene, but spelled with a J. Yeah, well, Uh, I hoard blue jeans. Yeah, I hoard Gene jeans. Um, Human (laughs) jeans. I have (laughs) jeans. So Gene Hackman 
uh, and Orion pictures. And you know what? I knew about this because I think I mentioned previously that I went on a rabbit hole of listening to movies about filmmaking to where I ended up reading Mike Metavoy, who is the studio head of like TriStar and Orion. Like I read his fucking autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Are you serious? I spent, and it was like 23 hours long. I listened to it on Audible. But so I knew about all this weirdness. So anyway, but Gene Hackman and Orion had split the $500,000 needed to purchase the movie rights to the books. But Hackman dropped out days before because he watched clips of himself at the 1989 Oscars playing FBI agent Rupert Anderson in Alan Parker's Mississippi Burning and decided he didn't want to follow up a dark role with an even more dark role. I mean, Mississippi Burning is very dark. Very dark. And also... Gene Hackman has classically been involved with a few different like movie blunders, including being too young to play the dad in the, the graduate. So he got fired after he was already fucking cast though <laughs> by Mike Nichols. He's like, sorry, don't come back. He's like, but you already cast me if I was too young then. Like I didn't get younger. Anyway, Michelle Pfeiffer was supposed to play Clarice Starling, but she also thought it was too dark. There's no way this movie would have worked if she was the Star. Absolutely not. So they want. Not that I don't think she's a good actor. She's a great actor, but they didn't. The, she didn't want it, and um, Jodie Foster did want it all along, and she was really campaigning for it. But Jonathan Demi Demi was quote concerned about the darkness of the piece, and that he didn't like um, Foster's Boston accent that she did in The Accused. Have you ever seen the movie The Accused? Yes, that movie is fucked up. It's so awful. One of a few movies in which Jodie Foster gets gang-raped, unfortunately, but... Um, <laughs> One of the few movies. She's been gang-raped in, like, a couple... There's another movie earlier in her career. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, so... Anyway, he eventually goes with Foster, but Jodie Foster was very concerned because she didn't want to make the FBI look stupid. Because... So, okay. Well, first of all, I thought in the accused, she's not the one that gets gang raped. She represents the person. No, no, she is the one who gets gang raped. She is. Okay, so yeah. I said mm-hmm. it a long time ago. Um, yeah, and she was worried about making the FBI look stupid in the year 1992. That makes sense, right? Well, because if we remember that John Hinckley Jr., who shot Ronald Reagan, had done it because he was in love with Jodie Foster, and he did it as like a testament to try to, like, re... I think it was something about him trying to, like, relive the character of Travis Bickle in uh, Taxi Driver. Because in Taxi Driver, as we know, she becomes, like, saved or whatever. Right. You know, he just got completely absolved of all of his crimes. Really? Yeah. How interesting. No, I didn't know that. But then she also had another stalker who, like... um, came to see one of her plays and like sent her death threats and stuff. And so she gave a lot of um, credit to the FBI for helping her with these situations or whatever. So, I mean, look, go oh God, I'm a cab, but she felt like they protected her. And so since Jonathan Demi had just done married to the mob and when she made the FBI look absolutely ridiculous, she was like, I won't do the project if you make the FBI look like bumbling idiots. And so that had to be the agreement. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought but- it was very interesting. They are bumbling idiots. Though. I mean, look, I'm just, I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you what she said. That's literally what she said. Yeah, John Hinckley Jr. just received unconditional release. Wow, how interesting. Yeah. I mean, good, but for shooting Reagan? Or were they, like, you didn't I actually think... shoot Reagan? Well, did he shoot him? He shot Reagan, yeah. Well, maybe they were like, this guy's mentally ill. Yeah, maybe they're like, he eats too many jelly beans anyway. <laughs> He's 66. He's basically been living outside of a mental institution for years after the gradual lightening of supervision. Wow. How interesting. I had no idea. Well, did you know this? no evidence of danger whatsoever. He has excellent prognosis. Okay. Well, go with God, John Hunkley Jr. Uh, Sean Connery was the first choice to play Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, well, I ate his level. This is my Sean Connery. Am I allowed to do impressions on the podcast? Yeah, well, we can't stop you because the first, like, 30 episodes, you do a Mr. Freeze impersonation every episode. Uh, that's true, but that's my best impression. Um, <laughs> anyway, he read the script and found it revolting. Also, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was thinking about playing a <laughs> lecture, which makes me laugh really hard for some reason. Okay, sorry. What is the age difference between these two men? Daniel Day-Lewis in 1991 was probably only, like, 35 years old. 
And Sean Connery died in his 90s, not that long ago. I think Sean Connery's still alive. He's dead? He's dead, yes. Okay. R.I.P. Excuse me. Well, um, Sean Connery... I'm sorry. Current day DDL is 64 years old. Right. So ex- I was almost exactly on the fucking nose. He was in his early yeah. 30s. And Sean Connery uh, died last year at the age of 1 million. I don't know. What, how old was he? 350. <laughs> 350. <laughs> <laughs> he was 90. So he was 90 in 2020. So Do you know that fucking motherfucking Gene Hackman is 91 now? What? Yes, dude. He's 91. That's fucked up. That makes I know. me feel so old. Stop. No time shit. Has to, we need to stop the passage of time. <laughs> no shit, because they fucking were like, Gene Hackman was 60 in 1991. I was like, no, 60? bitch. 60? He's 91. He was born the same year as Sean Connery, but Sean Connery died last year <laughs> and stopped aging. Um, and so now he's 91 years old. That means, God, that's so upsetting to me. I know, it's disturbing. So look, let me tell you, this is who Anthony Hopkins based the character of Hannibal Lecter on. Three people, Truman Capote, Catherine Hepburn, and Hal, the computer from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Wow, that is a genius combination I know. of people. Um, also another little known fact is that, you know, most people quote, like the second most famous, famous quote from the movie is hello, Clarice, but he never, (laughs) he never said that. He says, good evening, Clarice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was no one inspiration for Hannibal Lecter as a combination of three, Ted Bundy, Gary Heidnick, and Ed Gein of, of infamous nipple belt fame, which I think is oh, where God. like the making of the human code came from. Cause that was an Ed Gein. That was an Ed Gein joint. Um, <laughs> Thomas Harris um, uh, reportedly even attended some of Bundy's murder trial and sent him a copy of Red Dragon. Thomas Harris is the gentleman who wrote the books. Um mm. The movie made $272 million in the U.S. According, adjusted for inflation. Wait, he sent Ted he sent Ted Bundy a copy of fucking Red Dragon because he was yeah. like, I think you'll like this. I guess he was a fucking okay, super well. fan. I don't know. Um, and then I, I randomly that. included at the end that the Exorcist and Jaws are the, because I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. What are the two highest grossing horror movies? I guess that Jaws is considered a horror movie and it made, they both made like, over like a billion and a half dollars which i think is crazy that's it that's my story yeah, it's crazy also steven Spielberg was like seven years old when he directed jones i know just really failing upwards or succeeding upwards <laughs> god bless you steven spielberg or if you're a listener please give me some money i need it um steven spielberg is a literal billionaire i feel like he's no longer a relatable person can you imagine <laughs> if he listens to our podcast though wouldn't that be hilarious <laughs> And we just found out. He's like, yeah, I listen. I love Life's a Banquet. It's my favorite podcast. Steven Spielberg, if you, who are also probably 90, um, <laughs> are listening to this podcast, you should agree with us. You are no longer relatable to an everyman. So don't get mad. Give away your fortune. You should, yeah. Put your money where your mouth is. Billionaires shouldn't exist. Um, okay, well, on that note, I'm going to go try to crawl under my bed, even though it's... There is no under my bed. It's a platform bed. And <laughs> I'm sleeping in a room covered in child's wallpaper. And I would Are drive you gonna home. finally? Yeah. But? I'm going to finally re-wallpaper this bedroom. You are? Yeah, my parents are letting me do it. Finally. Great. And I'm um, thrilled would, about it, as you can tell you would, from my voice. You would drive home, but. I just drank a tall glass of tequila and I was playing. With no seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm drunk. I have to live here now again. Again. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, guys, uh, I don't know. We don't have time for a top three. What would we say anyway? Our top three favorite movie horror movies, you already know those. Yeah. I hope that everyone is in a spooky mood um, and that <laughs> you have a great time in your corn maze date, Nicole. I think you should try to have sex in there. That's just that's just me. Well, live I vicariously don't through want- you. I don't want corn bits to go up my region. That's not how it works. You have to really work for the corn bits to come off. You'll be fine. You may end up having sex in front of some children, which would be offensive. That would be the probably worst problem that could happen. It would be offensive to me. That is true. (laughs) 
All right, folks, look, I love you. Thanks for bearing with me. I'm sorry I now cried on the podcast. I've sang on the podcast. I also did an impression and fucking cried. I'm not even sure why you're still listening to this bullshit, but thank you. I don't think we but are. thank you. As soon as they heard Critters, they're like, and I log off. <laughs> and they're talking about Critters. Well, look, folks, well, thank you. I challenge you to find another podcast talking about Critters, original Critters. I agree. Look, there's millions of podcasts out there. I fucking guarantee none of them are talking about both Ben Affleck and motherfucking critters. And that's interesting. That's interesting to be original. Don't you think? Intersectionality is what we care about here. (laughs) 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 All right, guys. Look, have a good week. Uh, Send help. Asla motherfucking pasta. Bye. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.